We often say that it only takes one heart to change the world. Um, My heart was changed many, many years ago at the age of seven during a vacation Bible school where I really came into the understanding of the knowledge that even though I was a young kid and I obeyed mom and dad's rules, that, but that it was only, uh, only one sin, and I was guilty of breaking it all and breaking the entire law of God. And as a young man, I bowed my head and received Christ as my Savior. And from that point on, uh, God began to do a work in my life to lead me, I believe, to where I'm standing and even here today. Uh, my wife and I both had the privilege of growing up in Christian homes, and uh, we kind of grew up in a church a lot like First Baptist in that uh, we had a, a, a very traditional upbringing and that we were able to understand the gospel and have it preached over and over and over again in our lives. And if that's your, if that's your story as well, don't take that for granted. I, many, many years I took that for granted, that the gospel has, I had such great access to the gospel uh, until I learned uh, of people like uh, the people of Taiwan, who most people in their culture uh, don't even know the word, the Chinese word, Yesu, which is Jesus, let alone have ever heard the gospel even once. Uh, but my, my wife and I had the opportunity of growing up under, the, under this ministry, and we were exposed many times to missions, uh, a lot like what you're, you're doing here, where you have a, a weekend dedicated to missions. And uh, we were able to be, uh, 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 our lives being able to be molded uh, with this idea of missions imprinted in it. Uh, it wasn't until really my freshman year of college that God really got a hold of my heart uh, in the area of missions. Uh, we had a young man uh, who was also uh, a student at our Bible college, and he was from the island of Taiwan. Uh, he began to share with me a little bit of his people, and he invited me uh, one Thursday night to his church to go to a missions conference. And I said, sure, I'll go. I, I've been to several missions conferences before, and uh, uh, let's do that. i got nothing else to do. Uh, and, and so we went. Uh, and I had no idea really at the time, but God was really uh, kind of going to plan to get a hold of my attention when it comes to this area of missions. Uh, there was a, 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 a couple that was working in mainland China. In fact, uh, their names are also on your bulletin as far as missionaries that you support. Uh, but they had an instrumental uh, uh, opportunity uh, when my wife was younger to influence her for missions. Uh, and God really uh, saw fit to use uh, that missionary couple once again in my life many, many years years later uh, to give us a heart for the people, uh, the, the Chinese people. And really, uh, it was at that time when God really began to get a hold of my heart and make my path straight to the island of Taiwan. In 2013, my wife and I had the opportunity after we were married and completed our internship to go to the land of Taiwan, uh, and there God began to work in our hearts even more. We had one prayer, and that prayer was, God, would you make it clear to us, is this where you'd have us to serve as missionaries? Uh, It wasn't too long after that that God really confirmed both in my wife and I's heart that God was calling us to the land of Taiwan. Uh, we ha- it was close to the end of our trip, and uh, God ha- uh, had kind of opened up an opportunity for us to, to partner with another missionary couple that was there. And we took a trip uh, to the capital city of Taipei. And Taipei, you saw in our video, is home to the Taipei 101. At that time, it was the second tallest building in the world. Uh, it was about 101 stories up into the sky, and it's home to the Guinness Book of World Records Express Elevator. And so we stepped into that elevator, uh, the doors closed, uh, all the lights kind of dimmed, they pressurized the cabin and shot us up 101 stories in a little, little under one minute. Uh, and it was a pretty, pretty incredible ride, but what was more incredible was that God was, I believe, uh, really waiting at the top of that elevator to show me something uh, that I had been praying, God, would you make it clear uh, that, I wanted, that, that you wanted us to serve here. As the doors opened, 
we were greeted by glass, uh, north, south, east, and west. And as we looked out over the entire city landscape, Taipei is home to about 7 million people. And everywhere you look, from horizon to horizon, at the top of that city, that city landscape, there's nothing but people uh, and buildings and planes and trains and buses and 7 million people doing life as they've always done for countless generations. Uh, and, and God brought to uh, my mind a scripture that I had memorized earlier, and that was uh, the time when the Lord Jesus Christ had the opportunity to look out over his own city of the city of Jerusalem. And as he saw them, he said that he saw them wandering about as sheep without a shepherd, and that's exactly what I saw. From that bird's eye view, I saw seven million people wandering about, not just as sheep without a shepherd, but as people who had no idea that there was a God who loved them and a gospel that could save them. And as I turned to our missionary hosts and I said, hey, John, how many people do you know that are here working among so many? He said, you know, Corey, I only know of just a handful of people that are working among so many. It was as if God was, uh, had a megaphone and he was shouting into my, my ear, this is where we want you to go. This is where we'd have you to serve. Someone needs to go. Will you answer the call? And so the call of the Great Commission was answered uh, by my wife and I in 2013 as we surrendered our lives to become career missionaries to the field of Taiwan. And we've been on the road since, raising our support, and we look forward to getting to the field. We are praying by January of this coming year. You know, I want to take, take you uh, right now uh, to this picture real quick. I want you to, to take a look at this. Uh, this is, was something I thought was incredible. You see that bubble over our planet there? Uh, and that's a paled out white with blue. Uh, you know, the majority of the world's population unbelievably lives inside of that bubble, which means that there's actually more people living inside of that bubble than outside of that bubble. And in addition to that population explosion... That's actually the area where there's the highest percentage of unreached people still in existence today. And what's incredible to me is that in the middle of that bubble is the island of Taiwan, where God has called us. You know, the Great Commission is summed up really in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. The Lord Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The mandate of the Great Commission that we're focusing on this weekend really can be summed up into uh, this kind of petite phrase, uh, I would say, is the idea of making disciples, baptizing them, and continuing to teach them. I know in our culture, oftentimes, the word missions has become very complicated through our history. It has been added to, it has been taken away from, and many times through history, uh, it has been uh, encapsulated into many other forms. But if you peel back all the layers of the onion of missions, and you look at its core, there are, I think, two inseparable parts when it comes to the Great Commission as missions as we find it in the Bible. And those two inseparable parts are part of the mandate of the Great Commission. The first part is that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is at the center. And continuing in reference to it, in addition to that of the gospel, there is the continual gathering of believers. That's what we call the local church. That the Great Commission is all about making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and continuing to gather with them to be able to go out and reach and do the same. Not just in your own neighborhood, but all across the world as we spread out from here, there, and everywhere, reaching unto the very ends of the world with the gospel. 
Really, I've come to a belief uh, that this is true, that the idea of this next picture, that planting new churches, when it comes down to it, is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. If you want to reach the world, if you want to go out from here and reach the world with the gospel, simply put, the best way to reach your world is to start churches. Because at the center of the gospel, at the center of, uh, of the Great Commission is the gospel and the continual gathering of churches, the idea of church planting. And that's where we have come to a realization that that is the focus of our goal as well. When we go to Taiwan, we will be involved uh, in, in charitable works and in, and, and in teaching, yes, but at the very center of our work is the important truth of the Great Commission, that is the gospel and the planning of new churches, which leads us uh, really to our, uh, our philosophy when it comes to missions, and that's the idea of reaching, teaching, and planting missions, uh, and planting churches. And that's what I wanted to share with you this morning uh, when I share with you really what it is that we're doing over there. Many times we have the question, well, what are the missionaries really doing over there? Well, I want to explain it to you to give you an insight as far as what God has called us to do. Really, the first part of what God has called us to do is the idea of reaching, uh, reaching into, their, into their, their culture with what I call intuitive evangelism. We believe that using intuitive evangelism structures and methods, we can plan to reach communities by a series of both proven and new outreach ideas. Uh, This simply put, uh, we're out there reaching into the communities, trying to do what works. And, as all missionaries will tell you, experimenting with what hasn't been done before so that we might be able to create new inroads into the communities, to create a, 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 a relationship as outsiders within the communities, but also to influence them uh, for the gospel's sake and to be able to have uh, conversations with them that leads to the gospel and to Christ. Part of our outreach strategies uh, is uh, the teaching of English to speakers of other language, what's called TESOL. Our missionary partners have already begun uh, this new ministry, and we're excited to be able to hit the ground running uh, as we are, are, are involved with them teaching English. Uh, we're able to use it, you'll see out on our table, uh, we're able to use an incredible uh, uh, curriculum that actually uses uh, the Word of God, the Bible, as our textbook. And we're able to use that as we teach English uh, to those who would like to learn. Uh, There's an incredible uh, thirst for wanting to learn English, both in Taiwan and in mainland China. Uh, But specifically in Taiwan, many uh, younger people uh, learn a lot of English vocabulary in school, but never have the chance to practice it in a conversational uh, aspect. And they are taught from a very young age to learn English or to pursue that knowledge because they believe it will open up to them uh, new inroads and and new outcomes uh, to their adult life. And what's incredible, though, is that what they don't know is that learning English will open them up the doors to the gospel and be able for them to be able to be saved. Uh, We have other opportunities as well. Uh, uh, We are beginning uh, basketball outreaches and leagues. It's an incredible thing. Uh, Anybody in here know of a guy named Jeremy Lin? Everybody heard of him before? Just one person? 
Anybody? Okay, lots of hands there. Okay. Jeremy Lin is a, is a, is a gentleman who plays in the NBA here in the United States, and his, his roots uh, of his family is from uh, Taiwan. Uh, and many of the young people have fallen in love with the fact that one of their uh, own people has become what they would consider an American icon uh, in the basketball league. Uh, and they're excited to be able to, uh, to want to learn and to want to learn basketball. So we're able to use uh, one of their, uh, their already interests uh, to be able to ha- begin relationships with them uh, and to begin mentorship with them to be able to have spiritual conversations that lead to the gospel. On top of those things, we're also will be involved in parental counseling uh, and, f- and leaving a financial legacy planning series, uh, which is already in the under development. Uh, we're excited to be able uh, to use these kinds of tools to be able to make inroads with the gospel to be able to reach them. But once they're reached, really our next goal is the idea of teaching. We find that from a scripture of being able to teach them to observe all things. Uh, teaching them through what we would call multiplicative or multiplied discipleship. You know, spiritual multiplication really is the end goal of our uh, discipleship structure. Our goal, our goal is to help new believers really not only understand uh, what they've uh, uh, learned, but understand that they have a personal involvement in reaching their lost culture. And that it's not just oftentimes a missionary's job uh, to reach a culture uh, or, or an organization's job to reach a culture, but as they are uh, uh, stewards of the gospel now, it is also their uh, their burden to reach their own culture with the gospel. And we try to give them tools and opportunities to practice that so that they can also reach into their own culture as new believers. Uh, oftentimes we're asked, well, why, why that goal? Well, let me, let me put it this way. There's over 7 million people in the capital city of Taipei. And uh, if I was to personally start a, a mega church, or some people would say uh, uh, maybe it's even bigger than that, but a, a, a mega church of a thousand people every year. Let's say uh, I, I was a rock star missionary and I could start a, a, a church of a thousand people every year. Do you know that it would take me over 7,000 years just to reach that capital city of Taipei? So why multiplication? Well, not only is it biblical, it's a strategy that works. Look at this table real quick, and I'll move on from this point. Uh, there's, there's are many different philosophies when it comes to reaching people. But the idea of discipleship, I believe, outweighs the idea of just what we would call evangelism. If you were to have an evangelist who was an incredible evangelist, he was able to win one person a year to Christ, that would leave 365 people saved. If you go across the math, if you use a a discipling strategy, just one-on-one, you'd have uh, two people uh, that were believers each year. But if you were to be able to uh, instill in people the idea uh, that it's not just a missionary or evangelist job to reach people, But if you were to disciple them to disciple others, there's an incredible uh, multiplication strategy that happens here. That by the end of over 16 years, 43 million people could have been reached by the gospel. And it's an incredible opportunity and an incredible thought pattern uh, to be able to understand what can be unleashed when we not only reach people, but teach people to reach others. That is our strategy when it comes to making disciples. But our end goal, really, is to plant churches. Once they're reached, once they're taught to reach others, the idea of planting biblical missional churches is our end goal. 
And the goal of that is to continually plant new churches whose goal is to reproduce themselves so that we not only have multiplicative disciple makers, but we have multiplicative churches who want to expand to reach into not only their world, but other worlds as well. Much like what you are doing here when you partner with missionaries and organizations to spread the gospel uh, to the ends of the world. Our plan is to do this really every two to four years and stepping at what we believe uh, is, is, a, is a quick approach uh, that allows us the opportunity to step out of a leadership role quickly, replace that with what we call indigenous leadership, those that, who, are, who are Chinese, uh, to help them uh, and to focus them uh, on the mission. And our role will then switch from a leadership to a mentorship view in which we will be able to continue to reach out and do more. You know... Uh, what we have the opportunity to many times is to answer questions uh, that are made. And I want to kind of just pose a question on your behalf. Many times we're asked, uh, if you were to do it so quickly, will there not be some kind of gap uh, in their training? And the answer is yes, of course. If we were to plant churches very quickly, many times we will leave uh, what we call theological gaps. And we don't want those to be filled with just anything which is the reason why when we step out, we're creating a a theological training network that will be able to meet with these young pastors on a weekly and monthly basis to continue training them and to be able to help them understand their roles, not only with the Word of God, uh, but them as uh, as leaders in the local church. Uh, We also have uh, what we would call bivocational mentorship uh, program, which will help uh, be able to help them understand a balance, to strike a balance between the professional work Uh, and what God has called them to do. It is very common in Taiwan uh, for many pastors to be bivocational, which means that they have not only uh, the work of the Lord, uh, but also a secular job that they use to make ends meet. And we will be able to help them understand, to strike a balance, uh, to be able to understand how they must also uh, shepherd the Word of God as they shepherd their family and their communities through uh, their secular work. You know, there are ways that you can help Uh, us accomplish this because we don't do it on our own Uh, with the power of the Lord we want to be able to be used by God but we're not alone out there and there are ways that you can help the first way you can help uh, is to pray for us those of you who have already come by our table and grabbed one of our prayer cards or I've been able to pass them out to you out personally uh, we ask that you would do that come by our table grab a prayer card it's one way that you can remember us and it's one way that you can pray for us Pray for us not only for our safety, but that God would be able already begin lead, uh, begin uh, implying uh, upon people's hearts the need to understand and accept the gospel, and for men to stand up to become leaders in their churches as well. You can give. That's another way you can help. You can help support church planning in Taiwan through your giving here this weekend. Your church is involved in a, in a faith promise commitment. In fact, many of you already have one of those cards that came with you, uh, w- with you this morning. Uh, this is another great way for you to be able to be a part of what's going on in Taiwan. Another way you can do that is to connect with us. You can connect with us through all kinds of medias. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we also have uh, our email sign-up newsletter that's on uh, our, our uh, table as well. Uh, but you can connect with us by coming and planning a visit to Taiwan. I was just talking with a young lady this morning who's already made a trip over there, and she was telling me how incredible, uh, what an incredible experience it was, and how it changed her life uh, completely. I will tell you, if you've ever been on a missions trip before, God uses things like that to change your life for the better. 
So, if you haven't already, maybe consider planning a visit to come see us on the field. Maybe take some of your vacation and come over to Taiwan. Or do it as a church and come, at, and, come and do a missions trip to Taiwan. We would love and welcome you uh, there uh, to be able to reach hearts together uh, for the gospel. Uh, we really have a ministry philosophy, and I wanted to take just uh, the rest of our time this morning uh, to be able to share that with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I wanted to share with you this morning our ministry philosophy. And as you're turning there, I want to just say a, a very a hearty thank you uh, for having us come and be able to just share with you uh, very briefly this morning our, our vision and what God has called us to do as church planners. Thank you, Pastor Hamby and Pastor Bell, for all that you've done in welcoming us and inviting us uh, to be able to speak here this morning. And thank you, church, uh, for your loving arms and being able to welcoming us. And those of you who have already come by, uh, your smiling face and shaking hands, we appreciate your, uh, your welcoming us into your uh, church this morning. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what we find here is what I believe uh, the Apostle Paul's philosophy of ministry, which is also uh, our philosophy of ministry as well. In in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, uh, as we've received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believeth not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, uh, and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Can we pray together this morning before we go any farther? Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for the opportunities given to us this morning to just look into your word briefly. Father, I pray that you would teach us something new from your word. Father, that we'd be able to not just uh, leave this place uh, uh, smarter, uh, but more like you. Helping to put into practice what we've learned this morning in the area of missions. Father, I pray that you would continue to bless throughout the remainder of this, of this Sunday. That you'd help us all uh, point ourselves outwards towards the fields so that we would understand not only the importance of the lostness of people, but the importance of getting the gospel to them. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have, and we ask that you would bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we all have a part to play when it comes to missions. Oftentimes we use the phrase, pray, give, and go. And I want to encourage you this morning, but as you're praying and as you're giving and as you're going to your, uh, your field and sending others to fields across this world with the gospel, that you keep really the main things the main things. That's so important when it comes to the ministry that we understand what are the main things when it comes to missions and how do we keep them at the center of what we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I believe, gives us a quick insight into Paul's idea of what his essential building blocks for his ministry was. Because Paul became under fire many times. People would accuse Paul of trying to be some kind of incredible uh, kingdom builder where he, would, uh, he was uh, on a rampage to make his name great. 
But Paul, really, to combat that philosophy, shared with us in the first six verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, really what his ministry was all about. In the first two verses, we find that Paul shared with us that missions truly is by the book. And when I mean by the book, I don't mean a, a secular uh, a philosophy book uh, on making people's lives better. When I say by the book, I don't mean necessarily even a, a theological survey uh, of a specific book of the Bible. When I say the book, I mean the Word of God. That at the center of missions is truly the book uh, that is given to us by God himself, the Word of God. Paul's desire was to deliver God's truth in a pure form to people who had never heard it before. And Paul refused to do what many people uh, in his time would do, and that was the idea of mixing false ideologies and false pagan religions with, with, with the Word of God to make it more of a coexisting thing in someone's culture. Many times modern missionaries uh, uh, are guilty of doing such things like that, uh, and it's very easy to do, especially in, in the land of Taiwan where many people are polytheistic, where it's very easy for them to honor and worship a line of gods. And then when you come by and tell them about uh, Jesus Christ, for them to go, okay, yeah, I'll add Jesus to my shelf of gods. And he'll just be another one among that I pray to. That's very common and it can happen many times in a polytheistic society like Taiwan. Especially when people uh, in Taiwan have really the idea of what we would call saving face. Where when they, uh, when they greet you, especially as a foreigner, they do all that they can to appease you and to make you happy. If you were to walk up to somebody in Taiwan uh, and to begin to just open up the Bible and share the Romans with them and say, hey, you should pray this prayer and be saved. Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm not entirely convinced uh, that that might be the best way to, to go about winning people to Christ, uh, especially in Taiwan, because they'll do it. And they won't do it because you've convinced them to turn, a, turn their backs on false gods and false religion. Uh, it's because they're trying to appease you as a foreigner. So they'd be happy to uh, repeat after you or pray some prayer and shake their head yes uh, to make you happy uh, as a foreigner. Uh, it's very common uh, to see that happen. Uh, but we have to be careful when it comes to, uh, to missions uh, that we understand that it's not just about a decision or, or, or a tally sheet, or a number score. It's about making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, about making true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why discipleship takes such a key role in our ministry in training the Taiwanese believers to understand the truth that there is one God, one faith, and one baptism, which is really the, the idea of, of what we're talking about this weekend, of the conference called One. So missions truly is by the book. In verses 3 and 4, Paul gives us the idea of who missions is towards. Missions is to the lost. Missions is all about reaching lost people. Paul understood that there was a deep depravity in his culture and a spiritual blindness in his world. In Paul's time, there was no shortage of, of gods or, or, or religions. Uh, he grew up in the Roman Roman. Uh, 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 the Roman uh, Empire, and, and during that time, the Roman Empire had basically uh, consumed uh, all of its known world, and also included all of its known world religions within its own system. From the paganism of the Roman pantheon to the humanism of Greek philosophy, there was all kinds of different things going on in Paul's time. 
And Paul understood the spiritual blindness that mankind was under. We had the same issue in Taiwan. Taiwan is a place filled with all kinds of idolatry and philosophy. It is an incredible place because it is a place that is hybridized with the ancient cultures of worshiping spirits and ancestors, including the Western thoughts of philosophy and the secularism of, of, of human thought. It is a, it is a continual uh, a byproduct of the hybridization of what we find in Taiwan. Buddhism, as I've mentioned in the video, is the number one religion that enslaves millions of people to this idolatry. And there are many parts of it that are truly horrific. But missions is to the lost. It is most important that we reach out, that we reach people who have not yet received the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ so that they can understand that they've sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that the the story doesn't stop there. That if by faith they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as their personal Savior, they too can be saved and have it at home in glory, just like you and I who've received Christ already have. Missions is by the book. Missions is to the lost. But missions is also with the gospel. The Apostle Paul said in verse 5 that we preach not ourselves. It wasn't about making their name great. It wasn't about uh, transferring his culture to other cultures. It was about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. Paul's number one priority was the testifying, was the preaching of Christ Jesus as Lord. You know, Paul had an incredible desire, and his desire wasn't to build his own fan club. It wasn't to build uh, some kind of kingdom among the Gentile nations. He just wanted people to know and experience a new life through Jesus, his Lord. And that's our heart as well. Taiwan is a tremendous opportunity to, to accomplish that. In Taiwan, our ministry will consist of reaching the lost and planting indigenous churches, whose goal and priority is to share the light of the gospel with others. You know, many outreach opportunities exist, many which are community-driven and education-driven. But above all else, above all the things that we do in Taiwan, the most important thing we will ever do is share the gospel with a Taiwanese person, man, woman, and child. That's the most important thing you can do as a church. That no matter how many programs you put into place, above all, the gospel must take priority. Because it's the gospel that transforms the lost people around you. Missions is by the book. Missions is to the lost. And missions is with the gospel. You know, my prayer for you is that as you live out that reality here at First Baptist, that you, as you go into all the world and as you send people on your behalf to go into all the world, to make disciples, to plant churches, my prayer for you is that you will always keep the main things, the main things. The instruction of the word of God. You'll keep a focus outside of these buildings to the lost world around you. And that you'll keep at the center of your ministry the gospel. And as you do, we're going to see God work all around us, transforming lives, healing families, healing cultures, and most importantly, seeing people worship the one true and living God, the one we serve, the God of the Bible and the Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you guys so much for this opportunity this morning for me to be able to share with you just a tiny bit 
of what God has called us to do, the country that God has called us to, and the work that God has called us to do. We ask that as uh, you consider all else uh, that you are, are considered today, that you would do those three things, that you would pray for us, that you consider partnering with us, and that you would connect with us so that we can together see people come to Christ in Taiwan. Let's pray together, would you? Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity you've given to us this morning to look into the word of God. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to be ambassadors of the cause of Christ. Father, I pray that as we look to the fields today, Father, help give us a passion to pray, to give, and to go ourselves so that this world can hear the gospel before it's too late. Father, we ask for your blessings upon the remainder of our day. And we'll give you all the honor and glory and praise for what comes of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.